Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to episode 59 of the Real Person, Real Needs podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Desiato, and this is my life. Today's episode is entitled, Tell Me When It's Over. God answers prayers. How do I know that? Because he did for me and my family. As you may know, our history with real estate has not been a very good one. All you have to do is listen to episodes 4, 51, and 55 of the podcast to find out why. And if you've been following along recently, you know that we've been in the market for a new home and recently went under contract with a scheduled settlement day of May 8th, 2017. That's today. But just 12 days ago, while I was preparing dinner for my family, I received the news that our mortgage application had hit an unforeseen roadblock and was going to be declined on a technicality. This looks extraordinarily bad. Now, it had nothing to do with our credit score or our ability to afford the loan. It was strictly based on the total number of rooms in the condo that we've owned since 2006. Are you kidding me? We were 12 days away from settlement. We had already paid out over $2,500 of our own money on inspections and deposits to get this house. And now, after this condo has been an albatross around our necks for over 10 years, it was once again going to destroy our dream of finding our long-term home. At first, I was too filled with disbelief to really have an emotional reaction. You see... I'd tread so carefully and kept my emotions in check throughout most of this process, not wanting to get too excited in the event that something went wrong. We'd already had to walk away from one house and been outbid on three others, so I was sure to not let myself get carried away this time around. But as we got closer and closer to settlement, it seemed like everything was clicking into place, and I couldn't help but get excited. That was until that one phone call changed everything. While trying to process this new information, I ended up not even eating the dinner I had prepared. Plus, I had to run out of the house quickly with no answers because I had a callback for a professional theater company. Somehow, I had to pull myself together and play make-believe while all of this was swirling in my head. The questions I asked so many times that night was why would God allow us to get this far to have everything fall apart? Our desire to move is not a selfish materialistic pursuit. We're buying a very modest house for our family. So modest, in fact, that the home inspector thought we were buying it as an investment property. I guess he couldn't imagine a real estate agent wanting to buy it as a primary dwelling. In addition, we're in the process of applying to house an exchange student who will be attending the school operated by my home church. These seem to be somewhat noble reasons, but I was left to wonder why are we hitting this roadblock now after all this time and effort? And I think the response I'm in the process of receiving is, how bad do you want it? Are you willing to fight for it? There are going to be moments in life that you just want to throw in the towel, like I did, but you never know, you may just have one haymaker left. And as I said to my wife when we first received the devastating news, if I have to go down, I'm going to go down fighting. So we immediately went into scramble mode, wondering if there was any way that we could still make this deal happen. Maybe if we change the type of mortgage financing we're getting, or maybe a different mortgage company altogether. Maybe we could rob a bank. Just kidding. 
After exhausting all of our options, it seemed that all was lost. So we started to pray hard. Now, I know that prayer probably should have been the first thing we did, and I'm sure my wife prayed immediately, but I tend to use my logic and reason first. And when I realize that I have none, then I go to God. When I say we prayed hard, I mean angrily. Well, for me at least. I was angry, and to be honest, I pleaded with God for answers. I begged him to show me what I was supposed to learn through this process, regardless of whether or not we ended up getting the house. Here's a useful lesson for you. Give up. Just quit. Because in this life, you can't win. Yeah, you can try. But in the end, you're just going to lose big time because the world is run by the man. I couldn't tell you what I prayed exactly, but I'm sure it wasn't too pleasant. Maybe God was really only listening to my wife and her desperate prayers. But I'm pretty sure that God is able to bear the brunt of my inward temper tantrums and private rebellions and come out unscathed. It's kind of like a little kid trying to fight a big strong man, and he just has to put out his hand on the kid's forehead to keep him at arm's length while the angry child just flails and swings violently in the air. Yeah, that's a pretty funny image if you think about it. I woke up the next morning not wanting to face what seemed to be insurmountable odds. It's moments like this that test your fortitude as a person. And in the past, these very moments have sent me into a downward spiral of depression. However, my wife was reading her Bible that morning. And in her daily reading, she happened to be in the Gospel of Luke chapter 11 and read this passage in which Jesus is speaking. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? As I laid in bed, she shared this with me, and it helped me to lift my head off the pillow, albeit slowly and start my day. You see, somewhere along the way, I allowed someone to convince me that ultimately, what is meant to be will happen easily, and if you encounter something with obstacles or difficulties, then it must not be meant to be. But that's just not how life works. Things that are worth it are not handed to you. No one owes you anything. In fact, the things you want the most usually beat you to your knees several times throughout the process. Hey, fool, you ready for another beating? You should have never came back. Miraculously, the following day I heard from the loan processor that we were able to resubmit the loan with additional clarifications, which led to the mortgage being approved after all. What a crazy 24 hours. A few days later, we got our official clear to close from the mortgage company. Now, four months ago, we received the first glimmer of hope that we could possibly buy a home, even without being able to sell our condo which is something we thought we had to do first. 
This news seemed too good to be true after having been renting our primary residence for the last five years, all the while trying to sell our condo for over six years. Over the course of the last 10 years, we've had some pretty significant life changes almost every year. Some were by choice, some were thrust upon us, and some, unfortunately, were because of my own failings as a person. In 2006, my wife and I bought the aforementioned condo, or the Albatross, as I have lovingly chosen to refer to it. In 2007, the dark years began. You see, my secret addiction to pornography was first brought into the light in 2007, and as a result, I lost my job in ministry that I'd had for over two years. But God was gracious, as he often is. He'd provided a wife that I adore, and who loved me enough to not give up on me. She was committed to keeping our marriage intact, as was I. Sadly, though, this was not the last time my addiction would almost ruin my life. But a glimmer of hope. In 2008, we were blessed with our firstborn son, Jesse. Later that year, unfortunately, my addiction reared its ugly head. Since I'd been really negligent in getting the serious help that I needed, I tried to manage my addiction to no avail. I was let go from another job for violating the internet usage policy. I haven't shared this in a public forum. A lot of people know this story but not in such a public way. My hope in sharing this is to maybe help others. This was completely devastating to me. Here I was, a husband and now a father, and I had a serious addiction problem. Since then, God's brought about healing and the right people to walk with me on the long road to recovery. But back to the story, again, by God's grace, I was able to find a job quickly. You see, I had developed a lot of great relationships and even had former supervisors and coworkers bending over backwards trying to help me find a new job. I started a new job less than 30 days after I was let go. I knew I had to be up front with any new company who would be considering me, so I began what would become a pattern of blatant honesty in my life. I told every HR person I interviewed with from that point on about why I was fired. And thankfully, they found my candor so refreshing that they decided to hire me. Thus began a three-year career at Univest Bank. Now, I'll always be grateful to the folks over at Univest for taking a shot on me. In 2009, we decided to switch to a church that was closer to home. For those of you who are not church-going folk, this may seem like not that big a deal. But it was very difficult leaving the church I'd grown up in, worked for for four years, and had been a part of for over 20 years. I also was fortunate enough to get promoted at the bank and transferred to a different branch, which meant starting over in a sense. In 2010, we had our second son, Leland. In 2011, we tried for the first time to sell our condo, a lost cause. Later that year, I left the banking industry entirely for a better opportunity at a pharmaceutical company. In 2012, we moved and began renting a farmhouse while also becoming landlords for the very first time. That was a stressful but enjoyable year. At the end of 2013, we made the decision to leave our church and help with a church plant in our hometown. In 2014, my wife got the urge to go back to teaching as a career, and I was more than supportive. 
At that time, I was going through a severe depression over the direction of my life career-wise. And it was during 2014 that I began to explore other options and found real estate. In 2015, I left a salary position to start working for myself. And later that year, we were essentially displaced from the rented farmhouse that we loved so much and had to find what we hoped to be our final stop before finding a permanent home. In 2016, in light of some serious concerns, we had to make the difficult decision to move on from the church plant to which we had given two years of our lives. Needless to say, I've felt very transient over this last decade. And to come this close to finally having some sense of stability seems almost like fool's gold. Now, I also understand that it's just a house and it can't provide ultimate peace and security. But to be this close to a small dream coming true is so nerve-wracking and so emotionally draining that I just can't wait till it's all over. Now, the funny thing is that this episode was recorded the Friday before Settlement to be released on the day of Settlement. That just so happens to be my podcast schedule every other Monday. And barring a another act of God, we are probably at the settlement table right now, signing the papers as you listen to this episode. As for whether or not we were actually able to get the keys and officially move in, you'll just need to follow me on social media to see if everything worked out. And with that being said, we are tentatively looking at May 20th as our actual moving date. So if you live in the area and are interested in helping us move, I could promise you lunch, and that's about it. So you can get in touch with me on my website. This has been a incredibly stressful, exciting, emotional time. And now I've shared much of my life with you on this podcast. Some things you may have been shocked to find out. Other things you may be tired of hearing about. But I wanted to share this with all of you. Because with each of those stops along the way, which seemed like detours... I learned something in that place that I wouldn't have learned without being there. I experienced something that ultimately led me to where I am today and has developed me into the man that I am today. And it's important that we look back because as you look back, that is when you see the path. It may at the time seem like a bunch of zigzags, but when you see where you are, and how you've gotten there, you start to see that there is a pattern. There is someone orchestrating those events, even though it may not seem like it at the time. And I know who that person is. And he's the one that I cling to in moments of uncertainty and doubt. That's how I get through each day. And hopefully, at the end of today, we'll have one more stopping point in our new home. Thanks a lot for listening. If this episode spoke to you, I'd love to hear from you. You can also leave a review on iTunes. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Spread the word. Share it on social media. But until next time, be real and keep it real. Thanks for listening. Godspeed.